the Lloyd's List Shipping Podcast. Welcome to the latest Lloyd's List Podcast. And yes, you're right, for once this isn't Richard Mead. I'm David Osler, the publication's finance editor, and today I'm standing in for the boss. Later on, we're going to be discussing cybersecurity after the serious ransomware attack on Chinese giant Costco, and after London-listed broker Clarkson's published details of a serious hack on their IT systems last year, which resulted in a rather nasty blackmail attempt. But for the first item this week, I am in the London offices of Hong Kong asset manager S.C. Lurvey, meeting the firm's legendary founder, Michelle Lurvey, who's been doing some business in Europe. In what is being hailed as perhaps the largest Italian shipping debt transaction ever, S.C. Lurvey has picked up a $160 million book of non-performing loans from struggling Italian bank Monte di Pache. So, tell us about your time in Italy, Michel. So, what have we done in Italy? We started doing business in Italy about two years ago by single assets, which is what we do globally. We typically invest in secondary loans. Um, and after figuring out that the Italian market was the largest market for the foreseeable future in Europe, is about half a billion, a half trillion rather, euro of NPL and what they call unlikely to pay, which are self-performing loan, we decided to establish a wider part platform. Um, about a year ago, we started negotiating the acquisition of a commercial bank. We completed that acquisition three, four months ago, and we now have an infrastructure in Italy whereby SCOE has a, an office in Milan with SCOE people next to a, a commercial bank that is headquartered in Forli, Emilia Romagna. And now my challenge is to make Forli, Milan, and our business in London talk. Uh, Talk um, profitably to each other. Oh, great, so it sounds like well beyond shipping alone, we're interested in all sorts of opportunities in that country. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, shipping has always been a very important industry for us because it's a very cyclical industry, an industry that's very levered. Um, but, but, but shipping is only a, a small percentage of what we do. We do a lot of real estate, we look at a lot of industrial businesses, infrastructure. Hotels and, uh, and and shipping is important, but but yeah, it's it's, it's far from being uh, going to be the, the, the sole focus of our entire business. SCLV in the shipping space, at least, is best known for its activities in Korea, including Korea Line and ocean restructuring. So um, I understand what you've done in Italy this week is your first European shipping transaction, or your first big one, anyway. Yeah, it's the first big one. It's not our first one. We, uh, we actually bought a few years ago loans to a Greek ferry company. We also uh, you know, invested in, in small size in, uh, in an Israeli uh, ship liner. Uh, so it's not uh, the first time that we uh, participate in this market in, in Europe, but it's certainly the first time that we do something of that, uh, that size. Right, it's about $160 million place value, so. That's correct, yes. Yeah. And I'm really cheeky and ask you how much you paid for it. Yeah, and I'm going to be cheeky and answer you that. We obviously didn't pay par. Uh, 
uh, and, and the, the portfolio was acquired at a very significant discount to par, but I'm, I'm afraid I can't be much more precise than that. Right. Can you say a little about your intentions? Do you intend to run the loans or might you look to foreclose their asset values of it, it really depends on the on, on each case. There are seven different corporate situations. So typically the first thing we're gonna do is to meet each of those corporates to understand what they want to do and, and what the borrower wants to do. Uh, there may be instances where it is in their interest to sell the asset, and then there may be instances where uh, it is much better to keep as it is to restructure the loan and to keep operating. And we may decide to extend new money and extra uh, financing for some of those corporates as well. So we're really continuing with a fresh mind, and, and my expectation is that in most situations it'll be friendly, and some situations it may not be. I've been writing about the Italian market for several years now, and I've been told something like 45 out of the largest 50 Italian owners are either de facto insolvent or at least in restructuring. And I also know that the country's in the grip of the banking crisis, and there's a lot of pressure to dispose of NPLs. Are you going to be uh, flying to Rome more often in the next year or two? Um, yeah, they, you know, probably more to Milan than Rome, but, uh, but yeah, absolutely. Yeah. At the moment, I'm spending close to 25% of my time in Italy, uh, and I can see that happening uh, for the foreseeable future as well. Whether it's for shipping yeah, or yes. other opportunities. And obviously, as a, as a group, we have 250 people, more than half of those people are in Italy. So, um, and of course, um, there are opportunities elsewhere in Europe. Um, German banks in particular have shipping books that are run into billions of euros, and we know yeah, it's common knowledge that many German banks want to get out. Can you see yourself getting in there? Yeah, absolutely. We, we've done a number of transactions with, with German banks on shipping assets or others in the past, and they, they are a very partner of ours. And, and we're certainly happy to partner with them and offer them liquidity when, uh, when the, the right opportunity arises. Great, and um, a last question then. Um, you're a European expat former banker, you're now based in Hong Kong. You're the ideal guy to answer this. <laughs> um, is the age of the old school European shipping banker over? Do you think that ship finance is basically an Asian game from now on? Uh, yes and no. I, I think that you, you may say that that's the case for the moment because um, European banks have overextended into uh, financing shipping and, and the, the, the German or the French bank have been replaced in, in recent years by, by the Chinese or the Korean or others. But I don't necessarily think that that's going to last and uh, there is room for, for European banks to come back and, and finance uh, this industry as well. Uh, they may be more cautious the next time around, but, but, I, but I do expect that there will be uh, European bankers financing shipping uh, going forward. And now, continuing my London-wide tour, I'm at law firm Stevenson Harwood, and with me is one of their partners, Menelaus Kazupis. Among Menelaus's interests are cybersecurity which, as I mentioned earlier, has been in the Maritime News over the last week or so. So, Menelaus, what's been happening? Right, well, hi David, welcome here to Stevenson Harwood. 
Um, yeah, it's, there's been a few hot issues in cybersecurity as they relate to shipping in the last week. Biggest news has been of the attack that Costco America suffered, which ended up affecting all of their American operations. It was a malware attack, which means it was a virus or a worm designed to corrupt or destroy data, which had the effect of bringing down their website, bringing down their customer service phone numbers and emails. This was an attack that lasted for about five days until it, they got it under control. Uh, during that time, it was very difficult for them to fix any bookings, and in fact, Costco USA re re reverted to using private emails, Facebook and Twitter and social media in order to try and get their message out there to keep their clients updated. Um, still don't know what the fallout is because it's, it's still quite a breaking story, but we understand it's now been under control for a few days, but it just goes to show what impact it can have. Um, I don't know for the time being if this was just a random attack uh, with malware or whether there was a more nefarious purpose behind it by someone demanding a ransom in order to give them um, access back to their websites. So this is hot on the hills and the announcement by Clarkson's that last year they suffered a very serious data breach following a hack. Um, it sounds like a lone hacker managed to obtain lots of private information on individuals held in their servers. They obtained social security numbers, national insurance numbers, passport numbers, um, bank account details, dates of birth. So it was a very serious breach. Uh, Clarkson's has refused to pay the ransom that was demanded by the hacker in order to return the data, but they have taken some legal steps to prevent that data from being released. And do you think they were singled out? Is there any indication of that? Or were they picked more or less at random? It's likely that they were specifically targeted. Uh, hackers tend to focus on large organisations which are going to have lots of private data. They will look for vulnerabilities in order to, in terms of a hacker, to, in order to obtain this information and typically demand a ransom in order to return it. Well, and of course not even the mighty mask are immune from this kind of stuff. Well, yes, this shows that this is a problem that faces everybody in the industry, and it, it was a very well-publicised case last year when Maersk was hit by a virus. It broke down their entire system worldwide. Um, it led to 76 port terminals being shut down. It took them off email for a number of days. Uh, during that period, they went back to fixing transactions manually on paper, which led to a 20% reduction in the amount of freight they were able to, to receive. The fallout was they eventually had to replace 45,000 PCs, 4,000 servers, uh, and it's a cost in the region of about $300 million. Ironically, it's unlikely that Maersk was specifically targeted in that attack, but it was more collateral damage following a concerted attack that day on some Ukrainian computer systems, which shows the difficulty and the problem that we face in an interconnected world, but you only need one small breach to get into your system, which can have quite a catastrophic effect. And what's your gut feeling on this, that the industry is going to go on top of it or things are going to get worse? Well, the first thing to say is really that global shipping is undergoing a bit of a revolution in terms of information technology. We're looking at digitization of shipping, automation, integration of systems. This is going to bring a lot of benefits to shipping. It's going to increase safety and efficiency. 
Uh, but the fact that we have these far more interconnected world is going to lead to more threats. And there will be problems, whether they will be criminal threats, for example, hackers trying to obtain information in order to uh, obtain a ransom for return of information, especially now with GDPR, where there are quite serious consequences for companies. It could be, by the way, of frauds, phishing uh, exercises, phishing being emails sent which look similar to uh, the email address from a company that you're expecting to receive it. And we've seen this. We've seen P&I clubs targeted with false invoices. We've seen uh, bunkering has a big problem with this, where false emails are making orders and obtaining uh, commodities without payment. Um, we're seeing activist um, hacking groups which try to obtain data to leak information out to the public or to bring down in, um, websites by denial of access attacks. We are unfortunately also concerned about the rise of terrorists using cyber breaches. For example, the nightmare scenario would always be that you have a very automated system on, for example, a VLCC, where you have hackers deliberately taking charge of navigation systems, um, spoofing the position of the ship, which can, as you can imagine, lead to quite serious consequences. It's so serious that some governments are looking at this as a national security issue, especially if there is the involvement of state actors. Uh, and I know, for example, there has been war game scenarios where they've set up tests to see how robust on-ship systems would be, <coughs> and typically they have found that it's not very robust at all, and in most wargaming scenarios they have managed to take control of many of the navigation systems on vessels or, or to um, show a different AIS location, and in one instance they made a ship appear to be one kilometre in diameter. Right, um, sounds like a problem that isn't going to go away soon, so what can shipping and uh, shore-based maritime companies do to protect themselves against the bad guys? Sure. The, the first thing, they need to identify their, the threats and vulnerabilities in their own system. So if you're running old software, it may well need to be replaced. Is there a need for all your computers to be connected to the internet, especially critical systems? Is it better to sometimes have critical systems cut off the rest of the network? Um, training. It's very important everybody understands how it, how vital it is to keep passwords secure, for example, not to leave your computer switched on. Uh, it's also important to implement things beyond passwords. I think we're now getting to the stage where passwords are no longer as secure as they used to be. Hackers can usually get at, gain access. You'd be surprised how many times hackers don't gain access into computer systems, not through some Hollywood-style hacking process, but just by successfully guessing someone's password is going to be password. Uh, it, so it's going to be important to change the culture around shipping, which sometimes has a bit of a reputation of being a bit old-fashioned, but we need to catch up, we need to get the training, we need to develop protections, bring in the correct security, make sure that your systems are up to date, have backup systems, have contingencies. What happens in case someone does bring your website? How quickly can you get back into operations? And on the shipping side, it, when you're looking at onboard systems, have backups. Don't get stuck in the mentality which we've 
which has been shown in some of the wargaming scenarios, that inexperienced crews will continue to use electronic navigation when it doesn't seem to be correct without just looking out of the window, for example, just to see where they are. Um, and in addition to all of that, as we change the culture and build up better protections and know-how, it's also to insure yourself against these risks. Yeah, I was going to come on to insurance there, um, because I was going to say not to worry, it's all covered by the insurance, isn't it? Um, not quite. Uh, the, the starting point in terms of ships is that P&I covered does not exclude cyber risks, but on the other hand, it would only limit it to cover that arises from the operation of a ship. And in that, there would also be exclusions, for example, if it's a war or terrorist-related risk. Um, and it would, of course, not cover anything like electronic trading or the back-office work that's occurring. But cyber cover is now becoming available. It's a product out in the market, but it's pretty new. And there are still no standard terms in the market. So it's slightly untested, but it's going to be important, um, especially... For example, with the uh, implementation of GDPR, it's going to be vital that organisations have the cover to protect them against the costs, consequences of a breach. Uh, I should add, insurance will never cover a fine, a criminally imposed fine, but it can cover, for example, damages claims for people who've, been, who've suffered a breach uh, uh, of their personal data. It's also important, not just in terms of covering these risks, uh, and this market will certainly develop and become far more sophisticated. It does help at the outset if you have insurance available that you're going to get the right people in quickly who are going to be able to help with contingencies, with recoveries and with stopping a, a, a continuation of the problem. Uh, but in my view, whilst it's still slightly in its infancy, I expect within the next 10 years that cyber cover is going to be something that's going to be pretty standard in the market. Menelaus Kazupis from Stevenson Howard, thank you very much. And that's it from this week's Lloyd's List podcast. Have a good week, and if your country is suffering a heatwave, make sure you drink more than usual. Richard will be back with you next Friday, so see you then. <laughs> <laughs>